the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. What is it that the Lord requires of you but to act justly, love mercy, and walk humbly before our God? We'll talk about that humility next. There is a way that we approach God, and if it's in our own strength and in our own good deeds, we will fail every single time. Welcome to today's broadcast of Truth For Today. Pastor Phil Howard has us back in Luke chapter 18 and the parable of the Pharisee and the tax collector. Today, we have our attention set once again on this one thought, this one question, how can a man be right before God? Luke 18, verses 9 through 14. With today's program, here's Pastor Phil. One reason men beat their breast is they knew their heart was the author of all their evil. And they would beat their breast to say, my problem's here, my problem's here. I am what I am because of what's going on in my heart. My heart is dark, is void, is wicked. For out of the heart comes the deeds of the body. A man's not dirty by what he eats. He's dirty by what he does. And the cesspool of your life is your heart. It's a wicked, dirty thing in the sight of God until he does a divine work on it. Out of the heart come adulteries, murders. Out of it comes thieving. All that's wicked out of my heart. If there were no devil, my heart is a devil. I don't need the devil to sin. I have plenty of equipment from birth to sin. When the devil is locked up for a thousand years during the reign of Christ, men will still sin and they will rebel at the end of that thousand years and lead another rebellion called Gog and Magog against Christ. Revelation 21. You see, even a thousand years with no devil around, men remain wicked. Our problem is our heart. And this man identifies it. My problem is my heart. I'm in the right location, but I've got a wrong heart. I'm in a desperate fix. Some of you are in the right place this morning, but where's your heart? Is your heart in the right place? Who are you lusting after? Who have you been cheating? How have you been talking? Have you been cussing your kids this week? How have you been living? Are you an angry parent? Are you an unfaithful mate? How many of you have been on pornography? How many of you have been doing this filthy thought? filthy deed, wrong attitude, wrong behavior, on and on and on. The cesspool's deeper and stinks more than I want to bring up on a Sunday morning. It's a wretched pool. He beats his breast. 
I'm aware my problem is me. It's not the rabbi. It's not who offers us. My problem I brought with me. It's me. We used to sing the old black spiritual. It's me. It's me, O Lord, standing in the need of prayer. Not my mother or my brother or my sister. Lord, it's me standing in the need of prayer. I can't blame anybody for what I've done. All my folks weren't good. I didn't marry the right person. On and on and on. But all the biggest criminal you live with is you. Some of us have done terribly bad with great assets. We had great parents. And you still do a whole lot of sinning with great parents. I'm so tired of hearing parents trashed. But I am also so tired of kids being abandoned. Where does that come from? The heart. America. Oh, if America had one week where we repented of our national sins, would it not be something? It put over 200 million people on our face crying out like Nineveh. Oh, God, restore morality, cleanness, wholesomeness, marriage, uh, law and order, safety. Oh, restore America. And it'd have to start in our heart. You can't get it legislated in Washington, believe me. It has to start in the heart. So this man, he, he knows, I'm beating my chest. And I have rabbi statements here. But the greatest rabbi, out of the abundance of the heart, comes all that comes out of the mouth and the deeds. Listen to his cry. He only cries for one thing. God, have mercy on me, a sinner. It's very interesting, this word mercy. Um, Down in the uh, context... Um, verse 38, notice. A man that's begging, a blind beggar, calls out to Jesus. He says, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. That word for mercy, hear it, if I just say it for you. Elias. Elias. And it means, have pity on my circumstances. The word that the man said in the temple was like this. He lost mas. Helasmos, H-I-L-A-S-M-O-S. The other one, it's E-L-E-O-S. Totally two different words. And yet, mercy is called for in the chapter, but they're totally two different words. This word he called for was the word used for the Old Testament sacrifices, the atonement. It's, our, it's only used about three times in the New Testament, translated in the literal translation that we don't like very much, propitiation, but this is the word. He is saying, be propitious to me, or be atoning for me. I need an atonement. Kafar, I need a covering for what I am. I'm here at temple time. I've watched, which many of the audience could watch in the outer court. I've seen the lamb slain. 
I've seen the juggler cut. I see the burning sacrifice. I am here because I'm hoping that what's going on on the altar and the sacrifice of that animal, that it will atone for me. I want atonement. I want a covering. I have no virtues. I come before God as a sinner. We lose something in the church for being Christians a long time. We're all headed towards being the Pharisee. God, I teach the Sunday school class. I tithe. I'm faithful. I do this. I do that. And I want you to bless me. Why? Well, I just told you why. I'm working for you. You're never supposed to get over the fact God's working with a sinner when he's working with you. Everybody, we're not asking you to be out here robbing banks so you call yourself a sinner. Just, you know, just just live with your heart for a week and you'll find out you're a sinner if you're honest. Put the mirror of God's word on all your motives, your attitudes, and your behavior. That's why marriage is so life-threatening. It reveals things about you you never want it revealed. That's what's so scary about trials. They reveal stuff about you. We never know what's in the tea bag until the water boils. You're fine in just cold water, but let's turn up the heat. We'll find out what's in the tea bag. You don't want to see it. Take God's word for it. When we come to church, you would think the first place we would all start is, Oh, God. I need an atoning sacrifice. For I, in my best day, am still dealing with being a sinner. Oh, I'm, I'm a saved one, but I'm still a sinner. And what is the wonderful thing you can say when you know the rest of the story? The Apostle Paul builds his whole doctrine of how a man can be right with God based upon this. Since Christ has atoned for our sins, and atone means to cover, to cover it. Since Christ has covered our sins, God is able to have a righteous relationship with a sinner. And he lets them go home justified, as this man went, not because of his character, but because of the sacrifice made in his place. You see, there's two approaches to God. You're either trusting an object that makes you look great, and you're trusting something out here. I'm giving enough goods to the gods. I'm doing enough good works. If I work hard enough, long enough, I get to earn the favor of God, or at least cut off a thousand years in purgatory. Or... I can say I have no merit. On my own, I could never be right. But I understand there's a sacrifice on the altar. And it was designed to cover the sins of the nation. I ask you, God, let the sacrifice of that lamb that's cooking in front of you right now, let it extend its benefits to me, be atoned for all that's wrong with me. I think one of the most pitiful, heart-rending stories ever told is about 
a couple that had a great fellowship life with God. They had worship unceasing. They had a perfect marriage, no troubles. But one day, uh, they didn't show up for devotions and show up for their time with God. And God had to look them up. And when God starts looking them up, he sees them running. Running like scared animals. Hiding. With their hands, I imagine, over the breast or like this. And God looks up and says, Adam, where are you? Whoa, whoa, don't, don't show up. We're naked. What do you mean? You've never been any other way. No, but we are aware of we, we've lost something. Shame has moved into our psyche. We, we feel naked and inappropriately uh, in a condition before you. We've got to be covered. We've got to be covered to meet with God. Well, you never needed a covering before. You never felt shame before. You felt totally at ease with one another and with me. But we never rebelled against you before. We never sinned against you before. We never declared our independence of you before. And with our independence has come guilt, shame, hiding. And we're cold. And we heard the door of paradise slam shut. And the temperature out here is freezing us. And we have no covering. When God showed up for that meeting, he was carrying two sets of garments of some animals he'd killed. They may have still had little blood on them. So that's okay. I've killed some other animals to cover your nakedness. Something had to die to get you covered. And I want to cover you. I don't want you to freeze to death. I provided a covering. And I'm here to tell you the great news we have for a cold, cold world is Jesus wants to become your garment to cover you. You, He will clothe you in his righteousness so that you'll leave justified. You'll leave impressed with him and forget about yourself. See, when you really get lost in Jesus, you forget about yourself. When you find something as precious, as lovely, uh, as virtuous, as kind, as meek, and as loving as Jesus, who wants to talk about us at our best? It is planets away. So what you need is to be covered he said it to even people who are believers in 1 John. When you sin, you know what you know what happens to you? It feels like the blanket's been thrown back on your nudity and you feel naked again before God. And he says, don't worry, my children. When you sin, he will never remove the covering. You're covered as his child even when you fail. For Christ is our propitiation before the Father. And when I sin, when I'm in my sin, my covering 
pleads to the Father, don't remove the covering. I died to cover that sinner. And that's why sinners can come to church because we're covered. And if you're here without a covering, don't let your shame, your sin, make you feel uncomfortable. For we are just forgiven sinners here. We either need it, but we all need it. I need it daily. I haven't robbed anything lately. Maybe took some of Carolyn's money, but nothing intentional. But you know what? I ask God, cover me today to make me fit to talk to fellow sinners. I don't know about you. I've never got over the fact that I'm a sinner. And I can't believe that I preach to sinners. And I want to say to you, I found myself in these 48 years of preaching. I don't get as loud as long. I don't have as many get you sermons. It seemed like I want to spend the rest of my life saying there's a covering in a cold, cold world. And he's the only thing that can get you through the years and the seasons. Why don't you come to Jesus? Let him cover you. Some time ago, I listened to a song, and it's called, I've Got You Covered. And the song is built on the, the old five-and-dime store where all the candy was on display. And the little boy's eyes are bigger than what he's got in his pocket. And uh, he picks out the candy, and he goes up there, and he, he drops his 11 cents on there. The candy costs 25 cents, and so the grocery clerk starts to tell the little boy, you don't have enough money, and the little boy begins to be upset and disappointed. And a gentleman steps up, and he says, don't worry, son, I've got you covered. I've got you covered. Take the candy. I'll pay the price. And what God has told us in Jesus, he's willing to give us a place we could never afford. But since Jesus has got us covered, we can go on his account. And that's what the gospel is. This is why we're trying to unleash you at the mouth to tell all your world. Quit trying to tell other Christians don't fight with Christians over whether it's a pre-trib or post-trib. There's a lot bigger issues than that. Why don't you tell a poor, freezing sinner, I know where you could get clothed. I don't care who you slept with. I don't care what you stole. I don't know how much drugs you use or how many lies you told or how self-righteous you are. God can even save a Pharisee, but the Pharisee must do this. They must admit their need of God. And I pray, God, don't let us bunch of forgiven sinners become a bunch of pompous Pharisees. Can the worst person in Rodeo be welcome? Or will we be here to highlight their sin and not the covering? I want to advertise the covering. Come as you are. Come as you are. I think I was with a Individual yesterday, having health problems, 
And she began to just, uh, it's because of what my sins I did in the past. I, I know I'm being tracked down. You know, I, I feel so bad for the sins of my youth. And now I'm up here and I'm having these health problems. And oh, if I could do it over, I said, he's got you covered. He's not dealing with your past. You've got to get health issues. You need a good doctor. But don't let the devil drag up what you did when you were 20. That's tearing the covering off of you. You're covered. All by grace. And you get it by faith. And you know what we do today? As we get ready to take the Lord's Supper. We celebrate the covering. Christ, my Passover, and we could translate that, my covering lamb has died for me. And the reason I can get out of Egypt is I was covered at the doorpost with the blood of an innocent lamb. And Christ has been my covering at the door, and he's become the door. He's the door that's got me covered and you And I say, if you do not know Jesus Christ, oh, we long for you to step through the door. He won't beat you up. You're already condemned. You're already cold. You're already longing for something that can't fill the void. He said, come to me. I'll give you eternal life. Come to me. I'll cover you. And when you stand before God, you know what? It's like he says, I'll stand with you when you meet the Father. I'll speak for you. If you don't say it just right. I don't know what I'm, how I'm going to talk. It's going to be quite a thing. To, I've talked for God, but someday to face God and talk to him. I don't know how I'm going to do that. Maybe I'll stutter and stammer and freeze, but I've already got an appointed advocate. He says, I'll get you through the court. You'll never be in court again, but I'll introduce you to the Father. You must come to the Father through the Son, not Allah, not Hindu, not Sindhu, not any other. And it's exclusive, yes, yes. And a Da Vinci Code will not undo the gospel. But a hungry world that will believe the lie and be damned are looking for any excuse to throw this thing off. But God will track down those that are cold and want a covering. Let us prepare to take communion. Our brethren, come. While they're coming, I want to pray for you. Our Father, people came in different states of mind and different approaches to you today. And some may be here, they've never said, I'm a sinner and I need a covering. I need God to be atoned for me. They've never admitted their need. They're still maybe caught up with themselves, self-esteem, self-improvement, self, 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 and never saying, I'm a sinner before a holy God, and nobody can get me through but God. I ask that you would... uh, Deliver us from our self-righteousness. And let us go home. The man who humbled himself went home exalted, delivered, 
redeemed, set free, while the self-righteous went home just the same, dying in his religion without ever being covered. May we today rejoice in the covering that we have found in Jesus Christ, who has covered all of our sins, cast them into the sea of forgetfulness, never to be remembered against us again. May we rejoice as we take the cup and the bread to remember our Passover lamb. That's who we celebrate today, our real lamb, our real work on the cross. And this is Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard. Our time today spent in God's Word to encourage you to bring you truth for today. If you have questions or comments about our time together, we would invite you to write to us. You can either visit our website and drop us an email, write to us via U.S. mail, or give us a call. Another way to reach out to us with your questions would be to simply record them on your voice memo app on your smartphone, and then email that audio to tftquestions at valleybible.org. Our phone number is 855-833-9864. Our website, truthfortodayradio.org. And if you're writing to us, the address is 1511 M. Sycamore Avenue, Suite 278, Hercules, California. The zip code is 94547. If you have questions about the ministry of Truth For Today and how we are funded to air on this radio station, we would love to talk with you. We are listener-supported, quite simply, and no gift is too small, no gift is too large. Whether it's a one-time gift or a monthly gift, it all goes back into the radio ministry, ensuring that it airs on this radio station. So would you consider that as you reach out to us here at Truth For Today? And then we invite you to come back and join us next time for another broadcast of Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard. Blessed be the name.